Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. And joining us to talk the National League, which gets underway this weekend, just uh, waiting on the final fixture list to come through. We know the teams. Chris Milicic, who is the head coach at Takapuna, joins us. Uh, g'day, Chris, how you doing? Good, Ricardo. Yourself? Yeah, good, mate. Good. Uh, and a, a new competition in that, I guess, teams are here on merit rather than the franchise-based system we've had uh, previously. I see the positives in this, but I also know there have been a few dissenting voices. Uh, they don't know that this is necessarily going to be the best way forward. Where, where do you sit on it? Uh, look, it's been no surprise for a lot of people that... Um I, I prefer it when you have a, a stable entity going in and you've got the best players in the country playing the best players available. Uh, currently, you'd say that there's players in most other teams that have not made the National League that have got National League quality players and many of the players that are about to play in this competition wouldn't be in the top echelon of players for, for a National League. But it is the, it is the situation and the uh, way they want to go forward. So the thing now is to make the best of it. Yeah, well, I mean, we've got we see some familiar faces there, of course. Um, the Wellington Phoenix Reserve Team are there. Auckland City are there. There's a few new faces, well, a few new entities, and I guess you know, in Christchurch United, that's effectively the best players in the Canterbury region as well. I, I caught up with Noah Billingsley today. He's on their books now. He's a guy that could be playing pro uh, somewhere. But uh, in terms of the overall spread of talent, what do you make of it? Look, I think when you end up with a regional qualification, um, you're always going to get a decent spread across the country. I personally am pleased that Melville and both Hawke's Bay are in there uh, because both Hawke's Bay and Hamilton have always been in the National League um, recent times. So it's really pleasing to see that they've they've got themselves in there. So, um, look, I think across the country, you'd have to say it's fairly, it's fairly broad. Two teams out of Wellington, Wellington Phoenix, and then you've got one from Christchurch and uh, one from the um, one from deeper south. Yeah, indeed. So the spread, the geographical spread, is about right. I guess the the, the million dollar question is: Can anybody upset Auckland City? I, I talked to Cam House and today, and he said by the time that this competition's finished, he will have either, he will have either had been, you know basically from pre season to this competition finishing, it will be nearly twelve months. So a long season for those guys. They've played a lot of games. They've won the OFC. They have won the Chatham Cup. They've won Northern Prem. Um, do you see fatigue being a factor in this league? Uh, it's only nine games, and it's it is what it is. And uh, one thing that'll be different now: uh, both Christchurch and Dunedin teams will be travelling quite a lot, whereas the Auckland teams will have three games in the region. Hamilton, I mean, Wellington teams have three games in the region, so the travel factor won't be as much. Uh, you're still getting your because the one thing they need in, in a proper national league in which you're playing 22 games down the country the travel factor does start to impact. Um, whereas I can't see it being that. The key here for any competition, if you're going to win this, uh, make yourselves into the top two, is you, you can't lose many games. Mm. So, you know, you're only talking nine games. If you were to lose two, maybe three games, you may not find yourself in the final, um, the final reckoning. So the key here for everybody is, can you beat Auckland or Um But the coaches are going to have to do their homework. They're going to have to put a game plan that isn't about 
keeping the, the score reasonable. They're going to have to have a go at them, and they're going to have to press them unrelenting. Um, it depends how many of them are brave enough to do that. Uh, and so if they were to do that, they could certainly take points out of Auckland. And so once they do that, other teams might have the opportunity. But it then comes into a grand final situation, and anybody can win that on the day. Yeah, that is true. Anybody can win that on the day. I mean, we we saw maybe a little bit of a glimpse of that in that Chatham Cup final, didn't we? I mean, I don't think Auckland City played their best footy in that first half. And, you know, you can be critical of them, but you've also got to give praise to a, an Eastern Suburbs side who haven't made the National League, um, finished sort of mid, lower mid-table in the Northern League, for, for not allowing them to play the game they wanted to play. Yeah, look, I think it was, an ex- it, was a, well, it was a game in which both teams really didn't try to win the game. They were both comfortable sort of trying their, their, their game plan and sitting in the middle of the park and rolling the ball around. I think if Eastern Suburbs had been a lot more uh, prepared to risk fishing in the first half, they probably could have got a couple of goals. Auckland City were playing some really short stuffing around their six-yard boxes. And there was certain opportunities for the outside players of Eastern Suburbs to step in and on angle and it would have caused chaos. Uh, but then, you know, coaches have got to make their own decision. But if you're going to beat Auckland, you've got to get the first goal. doesn't matter what it takes, you've got to get the first goal. You can get the first goal and you make them chase, they start to open up their channels and you start to do them. Um, so so that's got to be what happened. But then we saw it on the Chum Cup final, basically once Auckland City got the goal, Eastern Suburbs were really struggling. They had the, the sort of flurry of the death, but it's not how you beat Auckland. You beat Auckland by getting the first goal. Now, you coached in the Northern Prem, uh, so you, you, you've coached against Auckland City, Birkenhead United, Auckland United, and Melville United this season. Um, the yep. strength of those four teams, um, I mean, obviously Auckland City won that league, but can you see any of those other three ousting Auckland City? Have they got it to do it sort of over a league season? Going to depend on uh, injuries, uh, but from my perspective, I thought Melville, they've done really well to make the comp. They could go really deep, they really could, uh, but you're asking a lot of fairly youngish players to step up and uh, do a really good job. They press really well, uh, they work extremely hard, they've got a game plan that works well, coach is smart. I think they'll they'll do all right. Uh, Birkenhead will be... Their usual, quite effective in the middle of the park. Their best attributes are in the middle of the park. Um, and, but it will be, can they score enough goals to stay in there? And Auckland United, really, I mean, I think everyone would agree they kind of underperformed this year. So they'll be really determined to go out there and, and prove that they could get a lot closer than that. So I, I actually see most of the challenges from Auckland coming from uh, probably Wellington, uh, Olympic and uh, Miramar, to be honest, and probably uh, Cashmere uh, or Christchurch United. I haven't seen either of them play, but my question mark when Wellington Olympic come up and played Auckland in the Chatham Cup, they were more than competitive. They just didn't have the finishing uh, capabilities that Auckland did. Uh, but, yeah, I think that it's going to be quite, a, quite an interesting league and who comes first and who comes last. Well, you have to say the Phoenix will end up round the bottom because that's traditionally what's happened. I hope they uh, don't, and I hope they really uh, get some of those young players playing to the level they need to. Uh, but it should be fairly close to who. There should be three or four teams fighting to get into the the, to, the sort of the top two, I would imagine. Mm, yeah, I mean, that is an interesting thing that you mentioned there because for so long, uh, you know, Team Wellington, Auckland City have gone head to head to head to head. Um, and really, when that dissolved, it sort of half the players went to Wellington Olympic, half went to Miramar Rangers. 
We haven't seen Miramar Rangers play Auckland City this season because they got knocked out by Olympic in the uh, in the Chatham Cup. So, I mean, for me... No, they got knocked out by Hamilton Wanderers. Yeah, sorry, by Hamilton Wanderers. But, you know, it looks like Miramar Rangers against Auckland City's... Uh, that'd, I mean, that'll be a great opening round game and give us a great indication of where those teams sit. Is that is that the first game, is it? Uh, I, I haven't actually seen the draw as yet, mate. I'm just I'm just saying that that would be a great first round game. That would be a, fun, a great game. Yeah, look, um, I I think the Wellington teams in particular have a bit of a a bit of an issue is the fact that their competition's quite lopsided. The teams at the bottom seem to really struggle against the teams at the top, um, and therefore you have a situation where maybe they're not as hardened as other teams seem to be. Um, whereas Auckland have gone through a tremendous amount of really tough games um, same with Auckland United and same with Birkenhead and Melville they've had tough games every week uh, so yeah that would be a great opening game uh, but it certainly wouldn't be one that I think Miramar would want Miramar would probably want two or three games before they hit that because then they'd be sort of up to speed and they're ready to go whereas I think Auckland's the one team that walks into this competition really up to speed because the amount of games they've had the amount of wins they've had, all the activity they've done, um, they're at a much, you know, being toughened a lot by the competition they've been in. So Miramar would probably want to have that second or third game. I'd quite like to see Olympic play uh, Auckland first up, to be honest. Well, Chris, I, I've just double-double-checked. I haven't had the email yet, but it is now up live on the uh, New Zealand football website, and I can give you that first round of games. Now, the Women's oh. National League gets underway this weekend. The men's is actually not till the first week of October, but here we go. Yeah, I was going to say when you said that before, I was going to say that was awfully tight, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mate, I, mate I, I, you know, I just make it up as I go. Uh, but here, here you go. This is, <laughs> this is the first round of games. Uh, you've got Napier City Rovers host the Phoenix Reserves, Birkenhead United host Christchurch United, Kashmir Tech host Miramar Rangers, Wellington Olympic host Auckland City, and Auckland United host Melville United. Right. So, yeah, so Wellington Olympic playing Auckland City, great first game for the league. Yeah, fantastic first game and for the league. And most of those other rounds will show people exactly where they sit. Exactly. You know, exactly. Uh, who, who was playing Birkenhead? Who did you say was playing Birkenhead? Christchurch United. Who? You know, every, yeah. I, I really so know what Billingsley said to me made me think that he believes that they're a team that can challenge for the title. Okay. Uh, what would that be based on? Uh, well, that would be... He talked a lot about uh, the depth that they've got there. He talked about um, uh, their captain, Matt Todd-Smith, in the middle of the park. Um, he talked about the goalkeeper they've got. He talked about a Chilean import whose name he couldn't pronounce. He just called him Leo, but he said he's a quality player, one of the best he's seen in the country. So, yeah, he was he was quite effusive about when I asked him who to watch out for out of Christchurch United, he rattled off a list of players that he thought were, were top-notch and would be able to challenge uh, any other players in the comp. Well, that's that would be really cool if they could. Um, you know, I, I love the fact that he seems to be very, very confident with going into the the competition, and that's what you need. Uh, and so, yeah, that'll be really, really interesting. Uh, but yeah, they won their last game, I think, by ten or twelve nil. It's not really good prep leading into a national league. So, and as I said right at the beginning, you can't afford to pick up a couple of funny little losses. So they're going to have to hit the ground running. Everybody will be hum- um, humming right from the start. 
and it'll just have to run. But those those matchups are, are not bad, not bad at all for for people to get out and watch. That's for sure. Yeah, and Napier City Rovers getting the Knicks reserves as well. I mean, I know uh, the Knicks reserves prep's going to be a bit um, up and down at the moment because they've got a bunch of players over with the under 19s playing in the Oceania under 19. Yep. So, um, you know, if you Napier City Rovers, it's a good opportunity to get three points on the board early. Well, except for the fact that they've played them this year and they um, Napier City Rovers or Hawks Bay, they ended up in behind the Phoenix in the competition. So, you know, I would imagine the Phoenix will be looking there. That's three points that they can really sort of target. Yeah, oh, you, so you think the Phoenix will be seeing that as a p- potential win as well? Of course, of course they would be because they would know that they've, you know, they've basically played a team that they're comfortable with. Uh, they finished above them in the competition. So they would be looking at that for, for three points. Uh, in a competition, I think for both of those teams, three points could could be difficult to acquire on a regular basis. Yeah, mate, it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Of course, we do have a couple of weeks uh, to go before before this kicks off, and of course, in between now and that kicking off, uh, we also have the All Whites taking on uh, the Socceroos in two games one uh, one here, one in Brisbane. Of course, uh, that's not next, uh, not this weekend, but the weekend after. Um, be great to see this as a an annual or a or a, or a biannual fixture, wouldn't it? Oh yeah, totally. I, I, I've thought for many, many, many years both countries have sort of uh, ignored this opportunity to build uh, a regular fixture, especially when getting fixtures um, on a world stage is is difficult for everybody because of cost and travel and that sort of thing. Um, I'd love to see this become quite a regular thing. And and now that the All Whites are, are deemed a professional, far more competent unit than we have for years um, Australia will certainly see you as a viable opposition and we've got to maintain that that continues in the future so that it becomes a regular, even if it was every sort of couple of years, uh, I'm not sure we could do it every year because it's just take windows, but any time there's a window of both teams when nobody's prepared to play you they should be playing each other in my opinion even if it was more domestic slash A-League players, they should be setting those games up yeah, 100%, mate, 100%. I mean, we, we have had a look at the uh, teams, uh, the, the squads have been announced. The All-Whites, of course, have named a couple of new names, and, and Kyle Adams is, is one of those. Alex Paulson getting an opportunity to be part of the group as well. Um, and, and we've got a few out, uh, a few injured. But, I mean, in terms of how strong that is versus the Socceroos, what do you think? Well, look, I, I think... It's an evolution that's continued to go forward. Kyle Adams is a, is a left-foot defender that plays in the second tier in the in the US, and he deserves an opportunity. And so the nucleus of a, the team is there, the one we've always had. Of course, people are always looking for the really, really big names, you know, but as long as Chris is there, and, uh, you know, we're probably the two we're missing more and the more it seems to stick out is, of course, the Preet Singh and Ryan Thomas. But the reality is the team's consistently bringing through. So when players are missing, another professional steps into the door ready to play. So long-term future, you know, the next World Cup in four years is the one that I think everybody's quite aware is this all-white team would be really sort of ready to go. So, you know, he's every opportunity, the coaching staff of the all-whites need to look to build the depth and continue to look to find people that need to replace the Winston Reeds and the Tommy Smiths of the world. 
Yeah, it's interesting that we don't have a uh, a Tommy Smith this time. It's the first time since Danny Hay became All Whites coach. No Tommy Smith. I believe he's he, he's got an injury. Uh, he hasn't featured for Colchester United uh, at all so far this season. And in a way, given that this isn't a competition game as such, it's probably not, not the worst thing to be able to see someone like Kyle Adams come in, being that left-sided defender and get that opportunity. Well, certainly, you know, we Danny's got to take every opportunity he can uh, the one thing you'd have to say about the, the defenders we've currently got going, there's a lack of what you'd call real top-end pace. I mean, they're all quick, but they, they lack that electric uh, get-out-of-jail stuff. And so, yeah, he's probably, Danny's probably going to look beyond and say, well, I need quicker players, I need younger players, I need players that can achieve what I want to achieve. And the only way he can test that is by bringing them in. So, you know, Tommy Smiths and Winston... And, you know, I could imagine that Chris Wood may not be involved in the next couple of squads as he cements himself down at Newcastle and gets, you know, that happening because uh, you know what they can do, you know, and especially Chris. So if he can find an opportunity like an Andre Dion, who is probably the next sort of nine running around out there, him and Alex Greaves type thing, um, then you've got to take that opportunity because if you don't take them in this windows, the opportunity is lost. And then when you do throw them into a big game, they're not capable mentally of getting up there yet. I mean, looking at the squad that he does have, do you think Danny's going to play that three, uh, that you know, a central three uh, at the back with, I guess, Winston in the middle, and you know, you'd probably put Tui Loma on the right hand side, and then maybe Adams on the left hand side of that. Is that how you think you'll set it up? Well, I think that what we'll see now is Danny will start to adapt the team. Uh, there's no reason why he couldn't play three at the back, but one of them stepping into the holding role in midfield and attack, um, a little bit more modern in the approach from the, the fullbacks uh, and, and persevering with that, because especially there's nothing on these games. There's just a bit of pride. Whereas I think the last game against Costa Rica, it was all about we must win, we must win, play three at the back, stop them playing. Um, and it turned into a situation where we needed another option to really try to have a go at them. And whilst we played reasonably well, uh, we didn't have that sort of cutting edge with numbers. So I think Danny will take the opportunity over the next two to three seasons uh, to to sort of develop another system that also can play three at the back, four at the back, but it could also be two two and a one and then a flat three and then one and a two, depending on how he wants to do that. So to do that, if you're going to play three at the back, you need both your outside centre-backs to be capable of playing inside and outside, and especially quick off the front foot to turn and chase balls. So, I mean, when you say that, then that makes me think maybe they look at somebody like a Liberato Kikache, maybe in turning him into a left-sided centre-back if you're going to play that way rather than as a wing-back. Yeah, well, that could, that could ideally happen. Uh, wing-backs are more, in my opinion, they're going to be more about the attacking because if you end up with full-backs out there as wing-backs, they end up playing five at the back. And then what happens when you sling a five along the back line together, they actually get in each other's ways, as stupid as that may sound, because the full-back on the far side can't narrow up enough. Um, so, you know, so Libby could easily move into that situation. Uh, he's got the capabilities to play because that role in that situation, you tend not to mark anyone. Because the most teams are playing a four three three, or playing a derivation of that, and so the centre of the back three has to be the one that marks all the time. 
Um, if they played a top two, you know, played a front two, then both outside centre-backs end up having to mark up anyway. But So the, the defending isn't as important as your ability to read the game, pick up midfield runners, and also have a capability to really play when you've got the ball. Uh, so, you know, he could easily do that role. Uh, and, but it, I, from what I understand what he's doing in Italy, he's playing as a left-back and a ball. Mm. Yeah, we saw him, I don't know if you caught it the other day, but he, he came on early in the second half against Roma. Um, and he looks like he's put on some size. He looks like he's filled out as well. And I was looking at him going, he doesn't look like the whippet I remember going up the wing for the Phoenix. He he looks he looks like a proper proper big, big burly defender now. So I do wonder if that's where his future lies, Millie. Well, it, well, it could be. Uh, I always laugh. It's. I remember when we were we were up in uh, Los uh, Los Angeles getting ready for the Under Twenty World Cup, and West Brom were training there at the same time. The size of them was just huge, you know. And people watch games on TV, and and I often think to myself, you really got to understand why some smaller, more agile players really do struggle in Europe because those players are fairly big. They're powerful. They're strong. They're in perfect fitness. Uh, regimes and get their body-to-weight ratio right. And if you don't do that, you can get yourself pushed off the ball continually. So it doesn't surprise me at all that he would have stacked on uh, a fair bit of muscle. I bet you his weight hasn't gone up too much, but he's certainly bigger. Yeah, yeah, I think it's probably a fair shout, mate. Well, uh, look forward to seeing that, mate, and look forward to uh, to, to watching the All Whites when they get here. And uh, and only probably a week's time they'll be here and we'll uh, get to watch those two games. Millie, thanks very much for coming on and having a chat. Anytime, Ricardo. Cheers, mate. Chris Milicic there with us, former New Zealand under-20s coach uh, and currently head coach at Takapuna as